80s montage. We're I'm back. Jo Jovi. I'm Sammy Hart. On how you going? It's good to have you back. Good to have you back in the sack. We got a bloody great episode today. Good show. Good show. It's uh, what are we? Um, we it, it's basically famous songs. Yes. That that were actually covers. That's right. Actually covers. And you this may is not be, know it. That's right. It's going to be heartbreaking for a few people that don't know these. I was heartbroken with yeah. a few of these. Yeah, I know, right? Couldn't believe it. I was Especially heartbroken about um, their bank balance. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Especially if it's sort of like songs that really define bands or were really, really special to their fans. Mm. Um, to then discover that, like, they, you know, they didn't write it. Somebody else actually released it bloody... Years before, that's sort of, yeah, pulls the rug out from under you. It does actually, but in the 80s this was happening because we had a lot of publishing, uh, people that were writing for publishing for the record companies. Um, yeah. Like you had your famous 80s writers, Diane Warren, um, people that wrote songs, you know, even today they have, you know, Pink has the chick from Three Non Blondes write for her. So there were certain four writers, Four, four Non Blondes, blondes yeah. is it? Yeah. Fucking may as well be three of We've only got one song. Um, <laughs> anyway, but uh, these, these writers would write and um, give them to publishing and then it yeah, was sort yeah. of first in Best Dressed or whoever wanted the songs. Yeah, that's right. Like in, in previous generations with like crooners and singers and stuff like that, like the, you know, you think from the, the birth of rock and roll, like, um, you know, Elvis and sort of that era, era, people did used to like cover each other's songs all the time, you know. Totally. Like, uh, it was like a really popular practice that then sort of died out and then um, come, come the time uh, 80s came around, um, it was like a big deal if somebody sort of did, did a cover and especially sort of released it as a single. So there you go. That's right, and it was a bigger industry back then because even if you were the performer, you still made a lot of money. But yeah, nowadays, right. it's all in the songwriting. You know, absolutely, performers absolutely. don't make as much. And when you songwrite, it's, it's it's so important to songwrite because that's where the money is. Yeah, yeah. I, um, are you having a drink over there today, Sammy? No, sweetie, I'm not having a drink. Right. Because I'm uh, having a we lovely. Just I'm, I'm having, having a coffee a today. Jägermeister. Oh, okay. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've got coffee. I'm having I'm a Jägermeister, which, which has just come out of the freezer. Even though it's a freezing cold day, there's nothing better than a Jägermeister on ice on a, on a cold day. Absolutely. A blowjob's probably better, but... Oh, <laughs> yes, we, it would yeah. be. So we, we just... have one of them. We just had a yeah. listen to um, What's Love Got To Do With It by Buck Spheres. 
Is that what it was? Yeah, and I really like it. I think it's you know great. Mm. Bucks Fizz just weren't on the radar for me. Yeah, it might have been at before all. your time. Yeah, maybe. 1981 they started. What was, what was that song that they sang? We It was in an episode the other week that um, uh, Ricky Arnott was Land singing of Make Believe. Bloody, yes, yeah. yeah. See, that was my dad's favourite song. Is that so right? So I yeah. got the first Bucks Fizz album for my birthday. Yeah. Um, which was amazing. So there was My Camera Never Lies, there was all these fantastic tracks on it. But the thing about these this band is they could all sing and remember who's that girl, the video, who's that girl? They were both in that video. And Jay Ashton was the sexiest woman, I reckon, in rock and roll. Yeah, all Jays are. They tend to. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. (laughs) They are all sexy (laughs) women. That's right. Yeah, Yeah, love it. So Jay Ashton was my favourite. Now, she originally wanted to sing this version of the What's Love Got to Do With It and they gave it to Bobby G, which was one of the males of the band. So that's not a chick singing, that's a guy, which right. kind of suited Tina Turner to a way because they could hear it, how it was sound with her because she had quite a masculine voice. Well, she had sort of a very male attack, didn't she? Like a masculine, like she she uh, she she sort of used to attack her lyrics like like a man would, you know, yeah. like she, that's why she was such a groundbreaker, you know. Yeah, that's right. Um, so... Bobby G from Bucks Fizz, they did this demo and it never made an album with Bucks Fizz because Cliff Richard was offered it as well Ugh. and Donna Summer and none of them wanted it. Tina Donna Turner came. Donna Summer would have yeah, been good. Yep, yep. Tina See, Turner um, came along. This was Tina's big comeback song. That's right. Yeah. You know, because she sort of um, – uh, it was after she had cut ties with Ike and she um, famously sort of went to court and came away with nothing. That's she right. came away with nothing but the right to use her, her name, name because it That's was a right. stage name. Tina Turner mm. was a stage name, but it was what she had worked all her life for. Um, so she, you know, that that would have taken a fair bit of self-belief to sort of just walk out the door with nothing um, but know deep down that she was enough of a mover and a shaker that she would build herself back up again and she fucking did, you know. Like this this, um, this sort of launched a, a renaissance for her and she was massive in the 80s. Yeah, she was huge. Well, this song was massive. Went number one in Australia. We loved yeah. it here. Um, yeah. And it was written by Terry Bitten and Graham Lyle. Terry Bitten also produced it. He was an English-Australian. So oh, yeah. he, he was an Aussie and uh, they would have, I think it was released May the 1st in 1984. Um, yes. But he was, I think that would have had to do something with the uh, Australian manager that Tina Turner had. He obviously right. went sourcing for material. To relaunch yep. her career, and this song was it. Right. What's love got to do with it? Tina's um, got a bit of an a, a bit of an affinity with Australia, doesn't she? Well, the Aussies took her back, like you know, like Countdown broke another person again, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she had an Aussie manager, and he yeah, knew, go. and he knew the um the 
the, the system. He knew how it worked and he, he, he lives in England now, of course, but um, he's written for a lot of people, Terry Bitten. He was one of those songwriters right. that had done that. But I really love that song and I do really love Buck's Fizz version of it. Yeah, okay. And they Fantastic. did put it on their reissue in 2000. So oh, if nice. you want a version of it, it's on the reissue. But mm. there you go. So see that one was a that one was a bit of a heartbreaker for me. That yeah, broke my heart to find out right. that wasn't Tina. <laughs> yeah, because that's like yeah. a quintessential sort of Tina song. But there you Huge. go. Huge. Yeah. All right. We'll keep moving. The next one we've got, and you'll probably know, you'll probably know a lot more about this one um, than I will because you've sung it for years, and that's uh, Betty Davis eyes. Do you know what? I actually didn't know about this one. Really? Yeah. I was ah. a bit shocked. Now, I was um, very shocked. Kim Carnes had a massive hit with this. Mm. Um, it was actually, I forget which year it came out. You 81. Might know. 81. 81. Was yeah. it that early? Really it was early. at number one for nine weeks. That's amazing. Oh, I brought it on seven inch. Oh, is that right? Definitely went to Brashes and had a bit of a seven-inch uh, Betty Davis size. So I definitely, I loved it. I loved Kim Carms. I loved the video that was directed by Russell Mulcahy. Oh, the video was great. Fucking was great Russell version. was incredible at those spooky sheet-blowing fucking videos, clapping the ground videos, you know? So that's uh, Russell Mulcahy, Russell of course, Mulcahy. the Australian, yeah, the, the Australian filmmaker who did a lot of Duran Duran's clips and sort yeah. of um, he, he was known for like a really kind of sexy, smoky visual. Yeah, incredible, so, incredible. Yeah. Now, uh, Betty Davis Eyes was originally written by um, Jackie DeShannon. Yes. Uh, Jackie Dish, the, the original was like a like an upbeat kind of R&B song, which you can't, cannot possibly imagine uh, if you put it sort of next to the Kim Carnes version. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now, look, um, you know a lot of Kim Carnes' other work. I really don't. She's a bit of a she's a bit of a one dick to me. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So well, she did go. a lot of uh, soundtracks. She, they always put her on a soundtrack. Flash dance, right. they put her on that. They put her yeah. on a few soundtracks. But she really, this was her biggest hit, you know. Then she kind of went a little bit Rod Stewart and started to do covers in the end of her career. But um, Betty Davis, the thing that breaks my heart is these these artists wouldn't have made shit from this. You know what I mean? Nah. It would have gone to yeah. the songwriter. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And she would have... You know, she did tour, of course, but she would have, um, you know, not made... She wouldn't be making money for it now, put it that way. No, that's right. You and I have made a fair bit of money out of this song. <laughs> sing, <laughs> I think sing, we've made more than bloody Kim Carnes, actually. <laughs> yeah, probably. Can you remember that night? <laughs> 
Can you remember that night years ago I said to you? Yes, um, I can. But tell the I story. Said, <laughs> yeah, no, I said to Sammy, <laughs> we, we just like had a really good gig. But then I came backstage and I said to Sammy, oh, what's that bit in um, no, Betty we're, Davis' No, weren't eyes? we working down Chapel Street going to Lucky Cock or something? <laughs> weren't we in the street? Yeah. Oh, maybe. And we just was seen after the a gig, fucking, I remember. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, what, what, I said to Sammy, what's she saying in that bit, you know, like in the <laughs> second verse? And I st- sang the bit. And I said, what are the lyrics there? And this is sort of like in light of Sammy singing it every fucking weekend. Every week. For like years. Yeah. And, and she like went, oh, I don't know, Bubba. I just think, sing Stanisasa. <laughs> just like she just, she, Sammy was just like singing gibberish, and you do that sometimes. Yeah, like when you don't know the words. I used to go, "Bread a gobble, stammer sassage, Betty Davis." Like I fucking didn't know what she was saying. Nah, no one did. Stammer sassage. Yeah, you that's know? hilarious. Bloody good song hey, do, though. Do you like my mullet, Sammy? I just yeah, you've given hair. yourself a fucking ISO haircut, haven't you? Yeah, looks like fucking, fucking Siggy. shit. Looks like fucking Siggy butt brain. Siggy butt brain. Siggy butt brain. It fucking does. Oh, Your brother's right gonna, on it, mate. They're nah, gonna call you Siggy butt brain. <laughs> anyway, Siggy butt brain is a fantastic cartoon for those of you from Frankston, Franger. Yeah, that'll you be in the cigarette. links. Don't worry about that. We'll put it yeah. in the links. That's right. 1974. That song was written by Jackie. The original. D. Mm-hmm. Shannon, yeah. So a lot of songs, they were going back to the roots of R&B with a lot of songs in 80s, like making them a bit 80s. Yeah, um, It was yeah. sort of a style they went with for a while. People still try and do it with old funk tunes and, and stuff like that, but it was definitely a um, a style they went for and then they synced it up, you know? Yes. Yeah, 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 absolutely. All right, what do we got next? Well, I'm going to break everyone's heart and tell everyone Girls Just Want to Have Fun is a fucking cover. Fucking incredible because yeah. this is like a signature Cindy Lauper song. It is. Well, it's her baby, isn't it? Unbelievable. Absolutely. And Cindy, Cindy, yeah. um, I, I, uh, like a lot of her hits were written by other people. Yeah, yeah. You know, I love her voice and I love Cindy. She's got a lot of integrity, but fucking hell, like a, there, there are a lot of songs written by other people. Yeah, absolutely. That's what yeah. they did. If you got a record deal, you had to either do the songs from the record company so they could get money back for, from you, you know? Cause but see, Ma- Madonna wrote a fuckload of her hits. 
Yeah, I don't know. She did, but there were a lot of people involved with that, I think. And you've got to remember that some of these artists, the deal was if you wanted to... If I wanted Madonna to release a track of mine that I fully wrote on my own, she would say to me, you need to put me on for 50% or I don't release it. So we don't oh, know Jesus, how much... Really? Yeah, um, oh, yeah, there was a lot of bullshit flying around. We don't know yeah. how much... She actually did write because without yeah. her name on it, it don't get released. Yes. So yeah. you would have to get someone that she'd negotiate a percentage or points, they used to call them. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, but it was written by Robert Hazard. Girls just want to have fun. And um, came out in 1979. Is yeah. that right? I think so, sweet. Fuck, yeah. Okay. So look, th- that's that's just like a handful of years until it was released again by Cindy Lauper. That's right. Because she released it in 1983, and uh, it's a banger song. Like we all loved it, and I remember Cindy Lauper, "Girls Just Want to Have Fun," and "Holiday" by Madonna was re- released on the same day. We've talked about this before that's because right. they, the record companies were rivals, and they wanted to get the two girls out to see how they both went. And as kids, yeah. we didn't know where to spend our pocket money first, you know. Yeah. We were like, fuck, there's two great songs out. I was more of a Madonna fan. Um, right. I love Madonna, but I now realise how amazing Cindy was, you know, from this day. September yeah. the 6th, 1983, it was released. That's right. Fucking hell. Wow. Yeah. But Bloody hell. Started off her career. The video was fantastic. But a cover, and I don't think many people know about it. Nah, I didn't. That, that's incredible. Mm. All right. What do you so got, baby? Next one we got. This one is quite well known. Uh, so yeah. it's just kind of, you know, reiterating to a lot of people. Uh, Tainted Love oh, perfect. by yeah. Soft, Soft Cell, Cell, which uh, are a British band. Um, and it was, Tainted Love was originally released in 1964 by Gloria Jones. So it may be a surprise to some people because that's quite a gap there. Yeah. Um, yeah, 64, bloody hell. And look, it is very, very different to the original. Yep. Yeah. So there you Absolutely. go. Absolutely. And a great track. But again, no money love here, mate. No, no money that's love right. here. And, and, and really, did they have another huge hit? Um. No, not really, honey. I mean, some people consider them a one-hit wonder. I don't because I yeah. love their other stuff. But I never really saw this as them as – I didn't really think soft sell. I always get that confused. But it's, yeah. a, great, it's a great banger. It works. It's a no-brainer. Yeah, 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 yeah that's right. Yeah. People love it. But uh, some people wouldn't assume that it was a cover. Others would, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. All right, so your that's turn. interesting. Oh, geez, I was going to say "Alone by Heart." Fuck! All yeah. right, this is awesome. This one. Yeah. This is another heartbreaker because the um, version that is has been released by Heart 
1987 was so beautiful and it so was. huge. Yes. Um, Heart, of course, being uh, featuring the vocalists who were sisters, uh, Anne and Nancy Wilson. Can you remember? Yeah, absolutely. Loved Anne them. was the brunette and Nancy was the blonde. And remember, <laughs> remember sort of as Heart moved through their career, Anne got progressively fatter. Yes. Even yes. though she had she had the better voice, um, they kept pushing the skinny blonde one out in the forefront because um, Anne kept getting fatter. But um, well, um, she was on guitar, the other sister as well. So that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I think it took a while for her to blow up, though. She was quite <laughs> slim in the eighties, and yeah. the yeah. you know when they did um, alone, but. She just, I, I don't know, she just got bigger, I think, as, as it went along. Maybe because they made a bit of money. She could afford to oh, eat. And I don't know. Tour, touring life is hard. Like, you kind of have late hours and, like, you you eat where you can and there's just, like, not always healthy options um, available. It's sort of late at night and fucking, you know. I guess I guess she was the only one sort of stuffing it in her mouth, but there you go. Well, but, but, they um, were stuffing more than that in their mouth. They were fucking sucking everyone's cock in the band. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they fucking were, mate. They're legends. <laughs> They're fucking something I aspire to be. Not that I do oh, anymore. Were they, were they massive oh, slices, that, were they? Absolutely. That's why there were so many different lineups. Because they'd sit on their cocks and fuck them off and go, mate. Oh. See you later. Oh, yeah, they uh, were hardcore rock and roll chicks. Oh, good on them, mate. Absolutely. Get down on it. Oh, shit. Okay, so there you go. Maddie's just filled us in. Excuse yeah. the pun. Um, <laughs> Bar- Barracuda was about um, a music exec who, who thought that they were fucking each other or something. Oh, who, the two who girls. Yeah, who thought yeah. that the two girls were, were fucking each other? Which is fucking oh. so, so yeah, sisters. and they were they were sisters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fucking so idiot. there you go. So yeah, there's another hit. They had Barracuda, and they also had, and I think this was uh, from the same album that yes, Alone right. was from. Yep. And they had that fucking. Um, All I wanna do is make love to you. Oh no, you. that was later, honey. Way later. Was it? Yeah, was that I 90s. Th- I think it was 90s. Because that's a really good Tarago tour song when you're listening to the story and the Tarago. Because yes. the story's really interesting, you know. Yeah, and that's we'd have right. discussions about it. In fact, I actually wanted to do a show, but it was 90s. That's why I looked about that song, but it was 90s, so it's no good for us. Ah. But Alone was composed by Billy Steinberg and Tom Kelly. Um, From a band called, um, and it was released originally by a band called I-10. That's that right. right. Absolutely, honey. Yep. In 1983. Yeah, that's right. Fucking hell, there you go. And look, uh, I've listened to the original and it's not that bad, actually. Like, it's it's no. like a rock track, you know, like, yeah. No, so well, a good weird, song's a good song, isn't it, really? Yeah. And you just got to produce it, but... Um, I haven't thought any of these songs have been out of the out of the norm, you know. No, yeah, the, no, that's right. The saying goes, if it sounds good on an acoustic guitar, it's a hit. Fuck yeah, absolutely. You know, if, yeah, it, if it can yeah. work on a guitar or anything. But I was a bit heartbroken by that because I love Alone 
and I yeah. think it's so the way she delivers vocals, you would have thought she wrote that. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. She's got such a strong delivery and such a grasp on the emotion of it. Um, You would have thought, fuck, what a great song. But no, not written by them. It's like she's singing it. It's it's like she's singing it from her heart, like from her womb, you know, like. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. From her womb. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Her horny womb. Yeah, I said (laughs) I think, uh, okay, I won't say. I thought you said something else. Okay, Her horny so wound. No, I thought you said wound. A wound? Like, ah. Yeah. yeah. Oh, her horny gash. Ah. You know what? But I will say women that have had good sex are better singers than ones that have shit sex. Oh, God, yeah. If you get a good root, you can sing the shit out of something. If you've yes. been dumped, you can sing the shit out of something. And I've often thought with some women that sing, you're fucking boring because you haven't had a decent cock inside you. <laughs> yeah, That's well, my okay. theory. <laughs> that is a my theory. theory. That's up right? there with um, Einstein's theory of relativity. <laughs> Sammy's, Sammy's theory of having a hard cock. That's right. Who's the better <laughs> singer? But, yeah, that's right. Maddie's going to take that as a compliment. Now, back to business. Tom Kelly and Billy Steinberg also wrote... Okay. True Colours for uh, Cindy Lauper. They wrote Eternal Flame for the Bangles. They wrote I Touch Myself for uh, Divinals. And they wrote I'll Stand By You for the Pretenders. Can you imagine how fucking rich they are? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All of those songs were released um, in the 80s. I think I, I'll Stand By You maybe 90s by a year or two, perhaps. I'm not sure on no, that one. I don't know. I'll Stand By You, The Pretenders. Anyway, Maddie might tell us. I'll Stand but, but, um, By You. Just that, the amount of... Could have been all of those songs, all of those songs would have been top 20 at least and I would hazard to say that they're all top 10 I know that I Touch Myself went to number 1 in the US famously and Eternal Flame yeah yeah like no, a you're virgin right, bullshit oh wow yeah they did they wrote Like a Virgin as well fuck off yeah they're rich see mm. there were songwriters that just knew the, the key to, to how to write a hit you know but the you're right, darling. The Pretenders was 1994. Stand by you. 94. There we yeah. go. So you but, know um, what's interesting though? You, you've got two blokes. All of those, all of those tracks we've just mentioned, written by blokes for female artists, and yeah. they have gone off the charts. You know. Yeah. Or to the top yeah. of the charts. You know, like fucking incredible, incredible. I find that kind of thing really interesting when, like a. A bloke can write really well for a woman, like to be able to kind of, um, I guess, empathise for that that particular perspective so well that. Yeah, um, I don't know if many women were writing back then, or whether they were allowed to get in, babe. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it was early eighties, yeah. and we were still getting used to the Bangles coming out as a female band. You know, yeah, we were still yeah, going. Oh right. wow, there's all these all these chicks that are in music. You know, she's it wasn't... she's playing the drums. Yeah, that's right. So we weren't real good with the women in the industry. 
Um, but, I mean, I'd like to sit down and go, well, I like that version better than that version, but that would be, you know, something else we could mm. do. But um, a- amazing songwriters that just wrote and they got in with the record company and then the music just happened. But some of those songs I wouldn't have thought were covers. Yeah, there you go. Now, another female vocal mm-hmm. fronting a band called Blondie, Debbie Harry, mm-hmm. singing The Tide is High. Yeah. Remember Tide is High? Love it. Tide is High. You may, if you don't remember it uh, originally being released in the early 80s, you may remember it from Muriel's Wedding. Was it in Muriel's wedding? It was in Muriel's wedding when they went Jesus. to the island. That's remember Ten- right. Remember yeah. Tanya Tagano and all those I love sang- that. They sang it in the talent comp, didn't they? They sang yeah. it in the talent comp and they were shit. And then, um, and then, then Muriel they did and Rhonda got up and did Abba. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fantastic but, movie. Um, Tide is High. I remember the uh, film clip to Tide is High. It was really shit, but it had um, strangely out of context an appearance by Darth Vader. Oh, wow. That's right. I yeah. remember that. Remember? Vaguely. It was weird. It was on the beach, had, wasn't it? Um, I, don't even, I don't even know if it was. There were like kind of or on a pool beachy. Or... There were beachy kind of effects to it, but then all of a sudden... They're like, there's all these space effects and start and like Darth Vader's watching them. Jesus, fucking! I don't out remember there, mate. that. Yeah, because um, I thought she was in a boat in the middle of the water or something. Maybe I'm thinking of another video. Yeah, but I vaguely I really, do remember there was cameos. Yeah, I really cannot draw a link there. That's that's uh, that's a bit random. But um, Tide Is High was originally released by a reggae band, because it is a reggae track. A group called The Paragons, 1967, written by John Holt originally. Yeah. So there you go. It goes right back. It does go right back. Tide is high, but I'm holding on. I'm going to be your number one. I'm not the kind of man who gives up just. No, I yeah. didn't mind that song because that was sort of, you know, we were just about to see Debbie Harry work come out on her own very soon after this. Yeah, I mean, it was a bit random for Blondie to release this because um, they were doing sort of punk and new wave and then suddenly they released this, which is essentially a reggae track. And even though sort of ska and new wave in some way are related... Yeah, it was a bit sort of random to have this sort of um, reggae reggae track from. They were a punk, you know. They were a punk band. Yeah, I think Bob Marley was getting was getting a lot of airplay. Bob Marley was kind of an undercurrent love for everyone at this time, yes. and yeah. so we all wanted to Bob Marley shit up. And I think the reggae thing was something people just did because it became very summery and very yeah. Sort of crossed over because it was released, recorded in uh, 1980 with with Blondie. Yeah. And um, 
So it's just coming out of the 70s and it was just something people did. They either released like a reggae or a bloody Mexican track, something like that, you know, to give it yeah. a bit. But I actually really liked it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I did it. Oh, as a kid, I did. Now, another one, and then we might jump to an ad break. I'm not yeah. sure about you. No, good um, idea. Another one, which is another reggae track from a band who is essentially a reggae band, UB40. Yep. Red, red wine. Yeah. And this is like a, yeah, this is like a signature bloody UB40 song. And I Best found song. this out. I found this out today. UB40, I always thought like... I wonder where they've got the fucking name. It's like Glen 20 or... You know, <laughs> ah, yeah. You be, Is it a you microphone? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, bloody... What's that lubricant spray? Oh, yeah. Um, w- WD-40. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, WD-40. So UB-40 came from the... It was the, it was the um, sort of code name... Um, written at the top for the doll form in the UK. Wow. <laughs> they're, they're, of course, a UK band. Of course. And, and a UB40 form was the the um, sort of welfare benefits for the unemployed uh, form that you right. would <laughs> have to fill out. And, and, you know, this would have been filled out by possibly every muso in the, in the uh, UK in their early years. Yeah. Um, and UB40, there you go. So I wonder where fucking you two got theirs. But there, there we go. There's probably ah. the form for for kind of Irish immigrants to the U, to to you know the the UK mainland or something. I don't I don't know. But um, okay, so red 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 wine was originally released in 1967 by another massive act, Neil Diamond. Red red wine. To my head, make me forget that I yes. Can, can you fucking believe that? No, I knew that. I actually had. We were a big Neil Diamond family. We had were the you? jazz. Yeah, we had the jazz singer. We watched the jazz singer. Oh yeah, that wow. was how I first learnt about the Jewish religion through that movie, The Jazz Singer, because he's very Jewish and his parents are Jewish and I was like, wow, what's this thing? Is Neil Diamond Jewish? Oh, a Jewish is a bar mitzvah, baby. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, he's he's very Jewish. And in The Jazz Singer, which I loved as a kid because it was about a, a singer in a cafe or, you know, a yeah. venue. And we had a lot of his albums. My mum loved him. Right. So, My dad... My dad, um, my, I, I think my uncle liked him. I never knew my uncle, but my dad sort of, my dad kind of had a, had a bit of a, he nev, dad never had a nice thing to say about Neil, Neil Diamond, but yep. you'd still catch him listening to Neil Diamond. Like yeah. he did have some like awesome tracks, but yeah, so there you go. Is Neil Diamond Crunchy still Crunchy Granola? Yeah. yeah, 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 he's still touring. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, bullshit! Really? Yeah, yeah. He stopped. Oh, he's got Parkinson's now. That's right. Yeah, oh, he has okay. stopped. But UB40 were always a covers band, anyway. They never well, wrote they, their own shit. They had. Uh, they're. They're probably their next biggest hit to this was bloody. 
I Can't Help Falling In Love With You. That's right. Um, which was an, uh, an Elvis cover, remember? That's right, yep. They and loved it was in, the cover. In, in the movie Sliver with Stallone and Sharon Stone. Because you got to remember... No, what the so, hang on, yeah. hang on. Sharon Stone and Stephen Baldwin. Yeah. Sliver, remember some, that? Yeah, I loved it. There we go, fucking whatever. I loved it. Because you got to remember a lot of these artists... They did cover bands like we do. You know what I mean? It wasn't just do originals. It was sometimes they needed extra covers to put in their bands. Yeah. And these guys did a reggae version of covers. So it was like yeah. getting any fucking song and, and putting – I mean, I remember in Melbourne there used to be a band called The Hodads, which Craig Harnath was in, where they country and westerned everything up. And it was oh, fucking fuck. huge in Melbourne at one stage. That would have so been was, awesome. Yeah, it was really good. So they, UB40, were just doing reggae and he happened to be a white guy that sounded okay doing it uh. and it became marketable because they did I Got You, Babe, with Chrissy Hines. Remember that? Oh, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Sunny and Cher. Sunny and Cher. They did that. They did a lot of covers and they probably made fuck all, really, when you think about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, they would have made it off touring, you know. They would have, yeah. You did get some performance royalties when you recorded the song. It yeah, wasn't right. all bad. Um, yeah. But, yeah, definitely. I liked UB40 as a kid. I loved Red Red Wine. I love that bloody, is that one that I keep saying, that um, where did I go wrong? Which I love that too. It's one of theirs. And they, oh. they also had... I, I think it was in the 90s they had that Kingston town, which wasn't too bad. I so, do love Where Did We Go? Where Did I Go Wrong? I fucking love that track. Yeah, that's a fucking sexy track. You know, amazing. And you don't, you don't, um, you don't sort of associate reggae with uh, kind of a sexy vibe. It's yeah. more of a kind of chill, kind of stoner kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So that's yeah. a sexy track. Anyway. We're uh, well, going I, to. Oh, we are. Yes, let's yeah, do that, we're gonna, baby. We're gonna. We've got heaps more. So we're gonna throw to an ad now. You'll love this. It was a huge jingle, huge um, ad jingle. It contains a huge ad jingle. Um, the ad features Paula Duncan as the mum. Yeah, and she's the reason great. we have chosen this is because the mum is rushing around the house cleaning up, and we all know our mums um, do all of that kind of stuff. We are recording today on Mother's Day on, on right. the Sunday. Um, you guys will hear this later in the week, but I'm sure your mum is still buzzing from how much you spoilt her last weekend. Good on you! Happy Mother's Day to all the mums, all the mums listening. Here we go with Spray and Wipe. Oh, help, they're here too soon for dinner. The boss and his wife, Linda, an overdressed hyena. It ruined my demeanour, because the bathroom was still dirty, thanks to Derek, Dave and Bertie. Bathroom Spray and Wipe will make it really gleam. Spray and Wipe's the one to cut through tough soap scum. The bathroom couldn't be cleaner. I boxed that old hyena, so thank you. Okay, there you go. Paula Duncan, Sammy, remember her? Oh, God, yeah. I actually saw her on the set of Neighbours for a little on while the there. Of, was she in Neighbours? Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure she was in Neighbours, yeah. What did she do? Oh, hang on, you? it might have been her sister. What's her sister's name? Mm, I don't it was know. was Paula Duncan and, and her sister, she had a sister. I didn't know that. 
Yeah, there's two sisters. They were both really good actors and well, maybe her sister was on Neighbours. Paula was massive. Paula, Paula was, was massive in the 80s. She was in absolutely everything. Oh, Carmen, Carmen Duncan. Duncan. That's right. Thanks, yeah. Maddie. Thanks, Maddie. Um, so uh, Paula was absolutely massive in the 80s in Australia. She was in lots of soaps, lots of dramas. Um, very, very popular. She won the Gold Logie, I think, a number of times. Um, and I met her years ago at the very, very beginning of my acting career and um, did a few acting lessons with her in yeah. Brisbane. Um, she relocated to Queensland, the Gold Coast, for years. And sort of, <laughs> if you knew sort of anything about. Brisbane or Gold Coast in the 80s or 90s, there weren't that many celebrities up there. They mainly kind of stuck to Melbourne and Sydney. And so if you had a fucking celebrity, you know, if you were a celebrity and you lived in uh, Brisbane or the Gold Coast, you were like a god. Do you and remember Paula S- Duncan was one of them. Do you remember Stefan, the hairdresser that used to drive his, yes. pink, spo- his, his pink fucking boat down the bloody Stephen. channels? Stefan. Does anybody Stephen. out there remember fucking Stefan? The hairdresser. Stefan was like a celebrity. Hair, yeah. He was a celebrity hairdresser who was based in Brisbane and was like famous around Australia. I don't know why. I don't know yeah. why. I don't know why either. But he kind he, of uh, like released shampoos and products and yeah, he was all so that kind Queensland. Of shit. Yeah. He was so, he I was. think my, my uncle had a house. My uncle that I always talk about, a lot of people went to Queensland when they wanted to hide from Melbourne. It was either yes. they went broke and they fucking needed to hide or the mafia were after them. Who fucking knows? But everyone <laughs> yeah. disappeared up to Queensland. So my yeah. uncle brought a boat on the canal and Beautiful. he used to drive past and my uncle this would is go, Gold get Coast, Gold Coast, absolutely. Yeah. I, I can't remember the exact name. I was too young but I thought, my God, this is the richest area of the world. You know. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's beautiful mansions. Yeah, go, the the area of Gold Coast because Gold Coast is um, covers a lot of area, but the Gold Coast that you're talking about, I think, would be Broadbeach or Southport, sort of that could be. area. Yeah, it could be darling. Yep, yep. And um, yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful area. The Gold Coast. I lived there for a number of years. So wow. And I've got a mate up there, Nick Casolini, who will be listening to the show. G'day, Nick. Hey, Nick. Surf's awesome. Speaking of Nickies and Mickeys, my next song I want to talk about is going to break some people's hearts. Yeah. Oh, Mickey, you're so fine, you're so fine, you blow my mind. Hey, Mickey. Hey, Mickey. Oh, Mickey, you're so fine, you're so Hey, Mickey. We talked about Mickey before. Fucking cover, mate. It's a cover. Tony Basil, what a shit ass. Oh. Mickey was originally Kitty. This is called Kitty by um, Racy and they were a British band, weren't they? Racy were fucking huge in the late 70s. Didn't my Racy, grandmother. Racy released that fucking rock man. 
uses or addictions, you may say. Um, and it really did kind of stop them from producing music. They were just, you imagine being a rock star in the 70s. It would have been fucking incredible. I'm not talking about the, not talking about the drug addiction. I'm talking about just the, the fucking lifestyle, mate. Like you, you would have been an absolute god. It was like a time where not every fucking second person was like had a demo tape, and you know, to be a, to be a muso, to be a rock musician was like a special, very rare thing. Um, and they would have toured constantly. They would have totally lived the rock and roll lifestyle. And they did go on to then inspire all of those 80s rock bands that you can think of, like Guns N' Roses, like Poison, like Warrant, like Bon Jovi. You know, I I guess Aerosmith was sort of the the precursors to, to those kind of acts. Yeah, and you got to. Um, and I remember when this track came out. So we had two genres that come together. We've got rap and rock, never done before. Never yeah. would you have heard a rap artist in a rock tune. I personally did not know who Aerosmith were, but I knew who Run DMC were. Yeah. Right? yeah. So this is where it kind of brought them back into the limelight in the eighties for the people that missed them in the seventies. And yeah. and it did sort of start their career again. Um, yes, and it make did. them privileged, you know, made them sort of valued as a band again uh, yeah, because of back. Run DMC, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Run this DMC cool did track. so well with this. Yeah. There are there are a few tracks uh, released around this time by Aerosmith, like "Dude Looks Like a Lady." From and you remember, you may remember that from Mrs. Doubtfire. That was that was in the soundtrack to Mrs. Doubtfire. Dude, looks like yeah, a lady. Yeah. yeah, there we go. So, um, you know, I, I grew up on these songs. I loved Aerosmith. And especially, yeah. I guess I guess it was in the um, in the late 80s, thanks to my mate Nathan Francis, who <laughs> introduced me to a lot of music at that time, like the hair metal bands like Guns N' Roses and Alice Cooper and Poison and so forth, Motley Crue. Yeah. Um, um, Aerosmith was one of them because they were releasing Pump, um, which had Janie's Got a Gun on it. Oh, what and, a song, and man. That, yeah, that was another big wave for them. You know, they had uh, Love Lovers an Elevator, which is an amazing um, Aerosmith track. And um, I, um, my old band, 10,000, actually supported Aerosmith um, a couple of years ago in their... Um, one and only appearance, one and only appearance in in Sydney, I believe. I believe it was their one uh, one only appearance. It was at a festival called the Stone Rock Festival, which yeah. was like, yeah, huge. It was it was sort of like they they. I I guess the I knew the promoter as well. He took a very big bite, you know. Like th- this festival had Van Halen and Aerosmith. Uh, at the top of the at the top of the bill, and mate, they had um, they had Barnsey, they had Living End, they had like all these Aussie and American bands sort of supporting them underneath. We were on there. There was there um, ten thousand. There was there was Dallas Frasca, and there was another. Yep. Yeah, there was another kind of new band. Um, and we were the only kind of really, we were the only kind of new acts on this amazing, amazing lineup of artists. We, we were the only, I guess, like non-profile acts 
um, on this lineup. And we had kind of all access passes, of course, you know. So when Aerosmith came on, we had watched we had watched Van Halen, and they. I'm sorry, they were, they were fucking shit. We, we, were, we were heartbroken. They yeah. were fucking shit. Van Halen were like um, the Las Vegas version of themselves. They were really, right. really disappointing. Um, we When Aerosmith came on, Aerosmith were like Aerosmith back in the day. Yep. It was like they had not aged a day. Yeah. I and think I he's incredibly so, sexy. Oh, unbelievable! Mm. Um, unbelievable! Um, and we we <laughs> went backstage. We went behind stage, and we were like literally three meters away from Aerosmith, and all of us were just too shit scared to step forward, step forward and shake their hand. We just wanted to watch them, and we got to watch our fucking childhood idols as they were about to sort of burst on stage. And these yep. are men in their, I guess they're in their 50s and 60s and 70s perhaps? Yeah. Maybe not Maybe not 70s but let's say 60s. Um, um, and, and we were watching them like getting nervous before they went out on stage just as we would have. Was there we a big them. crowd there? Absolutely huge. Yeah, it was good. in Stadium Australia. It was in um, – is at ANZ Stadium in Sydney where they did the Sydney Olympics. Jesus. It was okay. absolutely, yeah, it was absolutely packed. And we got to watch these guys backstage all kind of vulnerable and boyish like they would have been 20, 30 years before, burst out onto stage just to, you know, thousands of people. And then we kind of ran forward in the wings and watched them from side of stage, like watch them doing like fucking um, walk this way and, you know, dude looks like a lady and like fucking all the tracks that we absolutely loved and, um, yeah, had the, had the time of our lives, you know, like it was, it was fucking incredible. So that was a great memory. That was a great fucking personal memory Did there. Did you get That's- to meet them? No. We watched most of the set and then we were drunk. Okay, and we were- yeah. <laughs> Probably best. We were a bit too eager and we were sort of incrementally creeping out onto the stage. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. And then eventually their their American security cracked the shits and came and grabbed us and we were like, oh, what? Yeah, right. um, You know, they didn't – they – we had – all access passes, so they couldn't really kick us out. But we did. We were in the um, in front of the the barrier. Yeah, you know, right. you know how there's the people in the front row. There's the barrier. There's a gap, and then there's the stage. We were in that gap, so we got to watch it. You know, like right underneath them. So yeah, yeah. So how there you great. go. But I oh, going to some of Maddie's gigs with suits. Um, when we went to Day on the Green, I was really – I could have gone backstage and shit, but I just got pissed out the back. I've got no fucking stamina when it comes to meeting people. I'm just like, oh, oh there's really. Rick Astley. Fucking you know I'm just going to have a drink. I was drinking with Mick, Mike, Mick Newton. Yeah, absolutely. And Mick his listens to the show, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Um, G'day, Mick. You know, Mickey, Mickey, Mickey. Oh, Mickey, you're so fine. You're so fine. Vagina land. Hey, Mickey. Ha, ha, ha. And Maddie's also um, our, our tour, uh, tour manager, <laughs> our 
editor, producer, producer that spends fucking ten hours a week producing the bloody music for the show, <laughs> um, poor bastard, is is done. Uh, Attack of the Mannequins uh, was supported Blondie, um, and that's, that's where right, we met the bloody the drummer who is gorgeous. You know, yeah, yeah. So it's always good to meet your idols, isn't it? Yeah, but I absolutely. prefer to meet them at like the Cherry Bar or something. Look, you, you, exactly what you said. I don't think you can really push if you're ever in the position to meet your idols. You really can't. You really please, please don't like fan out. Don't yeah. like go up. Yeah. Oh my god, I've loved you all my life. You can yeah. do it if you want to, but like they're pretty much going to run away from you. Yeah, look, they don't. No one knows how to react to that. Those guys don't know how to react to that. What no. are they going to say? Like, thank you. Yes, I yeah. am an idol. You know, like, yes, what are that's they, right. What are they going to say? You know, so yeah. you're better off just chilling out, having a drink, getting pissed. And if you're next to them, shake their hand, bloody, you know, get a, get a fucking selfie if you must, but just make it brief and just enjoy the moment. Just be cool, you know, just like... Yeah, and then fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm joking. So people that <laughs> people that I know in this band, I've always been cool with them and I've always worked with them, is Big Pig Breakaway, friends of mine. Fuck yeah. Yes. Um, a cover. How's that? So Breakaway by Big Pig. Big Pig, one of my favourite fucking Aussie bands, mate. Yep, yep. Very different. N- no guitars, two drums. Mm-hmm. And and apart from that, lots and lots of percussion. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's fronted by vocalist. Is it is now is Shireen. it Zane? Shireen. Oh, Sh- Shireen. Yeah, it's Shireen. So it's there are. Zane. Sis- Zane was. I'm talking. Shireen was Big Pig. This That's is where right. we. This is where we saw Shireen for the first time. So we saw Zane in I'm Talking, and then all of a sudden, Shireen had her own band. Yeah, that's right. Very, very talented sisters there. Oh, incredible. Zayn and Shireen. Is it Aberatni? Zan, Zan. Zan, sorry, sorry, Zan. Yeah, yeah. And I met, I met, did I, Sammy, did I meet um, Zan, uh, Zan or Shireen? Shireen. See, I, I reckon you would have met Shireen because Zan lived in England for a long time and had kids and stuff. Oh, I think Zan okay. was in England for a long time because they've got a brother called Jack and he lives in, I think he's still in Melbourne because Jack oh, was right. playing around the cover band scene for a while. Okay. Um, but Shireen so had met- a band called Shireen's X Machine in the 90s and I used to go and yep. see that. So she used to go out and see shit, yeah, for sure. So Shireen, we, we met her backstage at the Odeon at Crown mm, and I didn't realise she was... She, yeah, she, we, I didn't recognise her at first and then it like suddenly I recognised her and it was like, holy shit. Because mm. those guys were, they were very, very talented. But anyway, so Big Big Pig had this awesome hit with um, I Can't Break Away. It was called Breakaway. Yeah. And it's another um, R&B, it's another R&B, um, yes, yes, it's another R&B track. i 
Where we went to an R&B artist and we changed it completely. Yeah. So Chuck Big Pig Jackson. released it in 88 and then Chuck Jackson released it in 73. Completely different. Mm, mm. Completely different sounding Absolutely. songs. Actually launched um, Big Pig onto the American scene and uh, it featured on the Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures soundtrack. Yeah, that's Is that right. right? Yep. Is it Excellent Adventure or is it... Is it the sequel? Excellent Adventure. Excellent Adventure. Yeah. Right, there we go. And that just sneaks in. That was 1989, that movie. Okay, it's actually the song that the movie opens with, if you're wondering. Um, that, yeah, that song was originally released in 73 by Chuck Jackson, made famous by Big Pig in 88. See, I never, I never knew that as a kid, and I thought that was the best song I'd ever fucking heard, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I also well, liked Hungry Town as well. Hungry Town was the other one. Do you yeah. know where Hungry... Did you ever see them live, Sammy? Oh, they really didn't do that much in Melbourne. I think they sort of did Sydney a lot more. Yeah, um, right. But I loved the way they used to wear the black aprons. Because they, right. act- they were animal activists. Yeah. They yeah. came out and, and spoke about... You shouldn't eat animals and stuff. So they would wear butchers' aprons in, um, you know, to let people know that butchers are fuckwits, you know? Yeah. yeah. The, the, the fucking look was superb. And Shireen had the short, short hair, so she looked very masculine. Yeah. Um, and they all wore the the thing, the uh Remember the dude with the blonde hair, the really camp dude with the blonde hair? Yes. So they had this sort of, they had this tall, very pale blonde dude who was quite camp with, um, I think he played keys, didn't he? No. I don't know, maybe percussion. Anyway, so you had this like tall, kind of like blonde, almost almost sort of. That was Ollie, was Ollie his name? Ollie? No, I can't remember. I can't remember, yeah. But he was, he was almost sort of like, I don't know, I hope I'm not offending anybody by saying he was a little bit sort of al- albino looking. Yeah, no, he um, was an albino. Yeah, he oh, was. He was an albino. Oh, yeah, it was, oh, known, okay. it was known as that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, are you allowed to say albino? <laughs> yeah, it's, a fuck, it's not a disease. It is a fucking disease. It was actually, it? no. It's just a genetic thing. Like, well. Albino, yeah. albino, you just had to stay out of the sun. It was like an albino horse. You were kind of a bit special. It sounds like a dude's name, like albino. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm fucking Alistair Bino. Nice to meet you. He, uh, um, anyway, so you had you had um, old mate, the albino, and then you had uh, Zan, um, who was uh, petite, quite dark, brunette, short hair. Shireen, you had. Yeah, it was Shireen. Oh, Shireen. Yeah. Okay, cool, 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 cool. And so it was Ali. It was Ollie, but it's spelled It was O-L-E. Ollie. There we yeah, go. Ollie. Okay, cool. O-L-E-H. Shireen was very, um, very masculine, very fucking tough. Yeah. Very tough. Yeah. They were a very interesting act. I love Big Pig. There we go. And our friend Timmy Rosewarn was in them. Timmy Rosewarn, he's a lovely guy. 
what we were going to talk about was yeah, that's so big pig made it big overseas, yeah. um, but but not their track. You know? And the album was called Bonk, remember? Yes, that's right. Yeah. And Which is a word name... that doesn't get used anymore. No, bonk that was very 80s. Like, yeah, to, to, to fuck someone, to root someone, to bonk them. That was massive in the 80s. I'd love Maggie. to bonk him. I'm about to throw my thong at my dog. She's driving me nuts. <laughs> Naughty. Yeah, no, good band, good band. And um, what else have you got, baby? What other covers? All right. Well, another one, another one that maybe we didn't discuss discuss before this, Sammy, was, um, and this is going to break your heart, everyone, if you don't know already, All Fired Up by Pat yes. Benatar. Yes. Shocking. Shocking. Released in 88 by Pat Benatar. I think and, it was um, an Aussie guy that wrote it too. It was. Mm. It was actually released the year before in 87 by the Aussie band Rattling Sabres. And it kind of was a bit of a local uh, success. I actually think um, these guys went on Countdown as well. Oh, fuck, really? From what, memory. singing this or what? Yeah, all fired up. Really? Yep, I reckon they I did. Know. Wow. Can you imagine kind of just just the the conversations and the, the the thoughts of like they've released this song, then they get approached by this massive massive label in the US. Oh, can we release your song? But um, can our artists sort of cover it? And you go through all that shit of like, oh, maybe if the song's that good, we should have a crack at releasing it in the US. You know, ultimately that's not what they did. They they basically handed their baby over to um, this record company and, and Pat Banatar released it, and it was absolutely massive. Brought her back, actually, this song. Right. This was her song that actually people went, oh, my God, remember, you know. Pat was really popular up until about 85, 86, and then she started to lose a bit of traction. And then I think this was, was it 89 or not? All fired up? 88, this was what Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. And... She was huge. This was the song. And even we do this live and people fucking love it. Oh, it's fucking great. You know? It's like dudes love this song, chicks love this song. So, yeah, yeah it's, a good, it's a good track. Absolutely. So do what we do know who wrote, who, do we know who, he wrote, who wrote that? Oh, yeah, Karen Tolhurst. There we go. Now, I think. Now, I know an Izzy. I Australian know an Izzy Tolhurst. Oh, do you? I know an Izzy Tolhurst who listens to the show. She is a um, a radio DJ, or at least was when I met her. Um, Izzy, give us a shout out. Contact us on um, 
on social media and let us know if your relation wrote this song all fired up. There can't be too many. Can't be too many. Can't be too many. Yeah. Well, she lives in America now, as she would. Mm -hmm. Um, But she was definitely Aussie. Yeah, born in Melbourne, Australia. Yeah. Did country rock writing for a band called the Dingoes. The Dingoes, I remember. They were funny. They kind yes. of had a little bit of little bit of a brief countdown appearance, and then they just disappeared. Mm-hmm. And they didn't steal my baby. Didn't they? <laughs> no. Did, did your the baby Dingoes have? didn't steal my baby. Did your baby baby have a matinee jacket on? Nah. Do you know what fucking song? You know what fucking song you haven't mentioned, which is one of your fucking favourites, baby. What? Do you one? know which song? Kim fucking wild, keep me hanging on. Ah, oh, yeah. This song's your favourite. This is a, this was released. Um, keep me hanging on was originally released um, like in the fifties, wasn't it? Yeah, fifties or sixties. Yeah, sixties. Now it was it? We've talked about this song in other shows. Um, it was originally released by the Temptations, wasn't it? Donna Ross. The Supremes, you're right. It was a Motown track, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But good old Kimmy released it, and I like that. I like, I like Kimmy's version heaps better. Yeah, I do. I love getting a decent stereo and just pumping it. Yeah, it's yeah. Got a really def- good synth, really good synth line in it. Oh, the the production on this song and how they changed it was fucking brilliant. Yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely yeah. brilliant, and it's still. People wouldn't have believed it, though. I mean, I kind of knew it was a cover because I'd heard it before when I was that age. Yeah. But I do remember Kimmy being on Countdown in a suit. I've probably said this before, but she was uh, on Countdown and, and she sang it with a fan. You know, the fans were all the rage in yeah. your hair. You know, I loved it. Yeah. But great track, great cover. Probably, probably better than the original. I reckon. Yeah, I reckon. Now, so should we enough- run with a one dick wonder or do you want to do one more? Or? Um, yeah, let's jump to a one dick and then we'll come back. Yeah. Um, our one dick wonder, let's just play it, have a listen, see if you mm. can pick the artist. It's a ripper.
Okay, that little banger there. Does anybody out there recognise the voice? Now, that is Party All The Time by Eddie Murphy. Eddie. Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. <laughs> now, this Eddie was like at the height. <laughs> Eddie Murphy was at the height of his popularity at this time that he released his he track. Was. He could have released a fart and it would have gone <laughs> to the top of the charts. Uh, in fact, I I think the B side was just a fart. That's um, right. This track, this track, um, party all the time was written and produced, and had sort of um, backing vocals by Rick James. Rick James, Correct. bitch. Yeah. Rick James. He was a good songwriter. Rick James, very good songwriter. Yeah, that's right. It was a good songwriter, motherfucker. You know, but he sang. He mixed it and produced it. Got on the BVs. <laughs> and, yeah, that's um, right. He also did the Mary Jane Girls. He produced them once upon a time. But uh, he did too. I think he went to jail for fucking allegedly drugs, drugs or for rape or something. Yeah. Something about that. I but think it Rick- was rape on drugs. Oh, right. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But, wow. It, um, you know, we, if, if you want to sort of... <laughs> Rick Rick really uh, partied, you know, like in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, notorious for his lifestyle. You oh, can yeah. you can watch Love. the you can watch the um, Charlie Murphy, who was Rick, uh, who was Eddie Murphy's brother, who was part of uh, Eddie Murphy's security team back in the day. Because Eddie was so massive that he could not go anywhere without getting mobbed. So. He recruited his brother and a kind of a little group of his dudes, of, of his homies, to be his uh, security detail. So, um, you, you know, you imagine like being super famous like Eddie Murphy and tra- traveling around the world, especially in the US where the sort of African American base uh, fan base was, and being, being as huge as he was, it would have just been incredible. Would have just been incredible. Like, like traveling around with your brother, you know, incredible. Um, now this was not this song was this song was critically panned, even though it did go to something like number four or number two on the number Billboard two. charts. I yeah, think it was it number go. two. Yeah. yeah, nowhere else in the world. I mean, really, it didn't really chart that well. Although it did sort of, you know, break top 40 in certain countries. But, um, yeah, number two in America. As I say, Eddie Murphy could have released a fart. It would have gone to the top of the charts. Yeah, and I didn't like Eddie as a singer. I just oh, thought look, he was a bit fucking naff. But you he, know, he didn't wasn't have a great a voice. He didn't yeah. have a great voice. No, it wasn't he, the voice. It was the look. He just didn't have the look. He needed you know. sort of lessons or something, you know. Like it, like it wasn't consistent his voice it's like for, for kind of a millisecond you'd hear like oh yeah there's a there's a sort of vocal tone there that could be cool and then he'd like go off the note and start yeah it was weird but um the thing that the thing that shit me is the film clip right the film clip to this song he <laughs> and 
Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy walks off the street, like, you know, during the intro, like, ding, 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 And he's sort of like walking down the street, walking down these stairs into this, like, basement studio and he's, you know, high-fiving all these homies who are in the, in the recording, in the, in the recording room. And then um, Rick James basically gives him a hug and says, you know, go into the studio. And he walks in, all of this happening within the space of like 10, 15 seconds, jumps onto the mic, pops his headphones on and starts singing. Yeah. And it's like, ah, yeah, because that's how it fucking works. Like, yeah. Right? yeah. Mate, yeah, if, no, you're a, if you're yeah. a singer like pulling out a fucking performance, you are not walking off the street. You are yeah. there for hours beforehand, you, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah was, well, that, but that happens in movies as well. Like, you know, that yeah. fucking shit Mariah movie that I – personally love she walks in with the girls and they start singing oh this is a great track try this you know let's do this now and they all all fucking know how to do it you know on the spot yeah. but yeah it's yeah, kind yeah. of a movie thing but um i didn't mind the track at all at all but i didn't buy it or anything yeah yeah it's but a bit good of a one to wonder. yeah bit of a bit of a um um a guilty pleasure for me, this song, admittedly. Yeah. But yeah. Um, just because, it, like, it has a, a huge naff factor. In fact, like, a an American critic called it um, Gumby Goes Disco. That was oh, his right. critique of this song because right. Eddie Murphy had a character on SNL called um, Gumby. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, And um, he was he called this Gumby, uh, Gumby Goes Disco because he just he thought it, like, didn't have any – musical merit you know um but um can you remember sammy yeah eddie murphy released a track i think it was in the 90s with michael jackson called what what's it's like what's up what's up with you or something what's up with you mm, it is been. it is a fucking stinker I could imagine. It's a Michael Jackson Actually, duet. Actually, I think you've shown me this before, yeah. Oh, my God. It's it's around the time that Eddie Murphy would have done Remember the Time with oh, Michael yeah, Jackson. Oh, yeah, 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 in the video, yeah. yeah I'd yeah. say there would have been some deal between the record companies where Eddie's record company came back if he had one. It may have even been Eddie um, coming back and saying, yeah, cool, I'll appear in the clip. How about you co-write a song for me and we release it? And yeah. so my, um, Michael Jackson famously fucking loved Eddie. He loved Eddie. Yeah. Um, even though Eddie sort of famously lampooned him in his routine for years. Um, and they released this well, song, What's Up With You? Well, he used what, to do a lot you? of that, but it was kind of the, – the artists used to really like it. James Brownie did as well. You know, oh, yeah, hot tub, yeah. get in the hot tub. Hot tub. Did James Brown hate it? Oh, James Brown wrote a song where oh. he played out on Eddie in the lyrics. So James Brown there really hated go. it. Fucking hell, there you go. Yeah, well, I thought yeah. people thought it was great. I'd love anyone to write a song about me like that. It'd be fucking <laughs> funny as. Especially you know? if it was bloody Eddie Murphy. Bloody hell. But yeah. look, yeah. So um, check out, check out. Um, Party all the time and check out um, what's up with you to Eddie Murphy tracks that just or just don't quite make it. Sorry. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> they, exactly. But they were pretty, you know, he was a comedian. He had Raw Out, he had Delirious, and people fucking loved his ass. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So, 
Um, but- and we had some great artists coming out that he was sort of trying to be like. Yeah, um, yeah. Who was the dickhead that sang Ghostbusters, who I love? Uh, Ray Parker Ray, Jr. Ray so Parker he was Jr. all the rage and, uh, and you know, he had up. songs. Oh, I love Ray Parker Jr. I don't no, like Ghostbusters, but nah. I love the other I love the other woman. That's a rocking no, song. No, you don't. Don't say that. Oh, the other right. woman? Yeah. Fucking Let's ripper song. Talk. Let's not talk about her. All right, so, <laughs> you know, popular song, but what do we say to our one dick wonder? Nice one, Dick. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay, we love so our one dick wonders. Pumping through and wrapping up the show in a moment. Yeah. Uh, let's keep going. We have we have another African-American artist mm-hmm. who was huge in the 70s and made a comeback in the 80s with this song. I feel for you. Oh, fuck yeah. Good call. Absolutely. Chuck a card. Chuck a card. Chuck a card. Now, what, what songs was uh, Chuck famous for? Oh, from the disco where do era I? In nobody. Oh, yeah. Love you better from the breakdown soundtrack. Fuck yeah. Huge song. I'm every woman. That was yes. a cover. Yes. Oh, no, Whit- sorry, Whitney covered I'm Every Woman, so that was Shucker's. Um, Shucker also had, oh, my God, I had albums of the shit. I loved her. Loved. I went and saw her live. I did meet her. I met Shucker. That's true. Fuck Maddie's, off, did you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because um, at the time I was ha- my original stuff was being played on Joy FM, so Leo from Joy took yep. me to see Shucker Khan and we had our photo taken with her. She was lovely. Yeah. Lovely. Oh, um, really? Very, very short. Very short. Yeah, there's a photo of me with Leo and Shaka. Um, she used to have a band in the 70s and uh, we used to sing all her stuff in a band that I was in with Mick, actually, who was the producer or the guy that paid for the Bowie show. Yeah. Um, we had a band and, and she had heaps of songs. What was her bloody band? Before Shaka Khan, because she was Rufus, Rufus and Shaka Khan. So, um, I really like "I Feel for You." I think it's better than the Prince version. Oh yes, so Prince wrote this song. There you go. That's right. Yeah, I like Prince, but I think just the whole production of Shaka Khan's version is incredible. Well, he wrote it for her. He loved Shaka, and uh, he wrote it for her. Um, he never intended on releasing it um, himself. It actually, I think, it got released against his will by Warner when they were when when they were trying to um, fulfil his. Um, no, no, no. His, he released it, babe. Ob- he released you it sure? in '79. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On, on his what? first oh, album. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so fuck, it wasn't written go. with Shucker in mind. Oh. Um, it was on the first album where he's naked with the long black hair and the blue uh, background. Ah, yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So um, I think again. this was another thing where – I'm pretty sure I think this was another thing where they shopped it at the record company and then it was produced. But the way it was produced was incredible. And I remember yeah. in 1985 driving in a car down in my street with this fucking pumping out of the car stereo, you know? Yeah, yeah. A big blue awesome, light one. Had an awesome bass line and it had that um, very, 
very uh, stereotypically 80s um, synth effect of the harmonica, the synth harmonica, remember? That was Stevie Wonder, honey. Oh, yeah, Stevie that Wonder. That was Stevie yeah. Wonder that did that, yeah. So fucking, yeah. They had all the fucking big guns on that. Um, yeah. That's, that's actually, I think it's a live harmonica. I don't think you would have been able to get. Yeah, that was the real harmonica. So... But I love her in the video. I love the fact that it's so 80s. You see um, the girls in their high fashion of the 80s and you see the the typical wire fence behind her and she sort of just mimes. She wasn't a great dancer, Shaka, but she does this track really well, um, which is great. Yeah, but I, yeah. But I had this album. I loved it. And I think it's better than Prince's version. And I know he wrote it, but I really, really like Shaka's version. And this brought Shaka to the world as well because a lot of people that didn't know Rufus were like, oh, my God, this new woman. But she'd been around for years, man. Yeah. She'd yeah. sung with um, David Bowie and Luther Vandross. She'd done all the BVs and stuff in America oh, at the course. time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but great track. There you go. All right. Well, I got another one that I might skip over really quickly because I think everybody knows this. Come on, feel the noise. Yeah. Which was originally released by Slade in 1973. Yep. But then again by Quiet Riot in 1983. Yes. And and really there's not that much different between the versions. No. This is often this is often uh, a um, trivia question. Who wrote the hit Come on, feel the noise? Because um, I guess Quiet Riot may have gone a little bit further up the charts with this, but the Slade version—I mean, the original version, the Slade version—they they, they ultimately sound you know, very, very similar. So um, um, yeah, I think everybody may know this one though. It, it won't be a heartbreaker. No, but we're going to end on one of our songs that is very close to our hearts with our producer. All right. Let's do one more. Maddie's made a request and then we're yep. going to embarrass him. Okay, <laughs> you embarrass him. Embarrass okay, of him. Co- of course, uh, Joan Jett and Joan Jett and the, and the what were they? Black Hearts. Black Hearts. And the Black Hearts. Joan Jett originally from Runaways. Yeah. Um, when she was touring with the Runaways in the 70s, she used to hear this song on the radio and then she released it herself in the 80s when she went solo. Um, or was at least Joan Jett and the, and the Blackhearts. Uh, I love rock and roll. Great everyone track. Thinks, everyone thinks this is a Joan Jett song. They fucking do. You're exactly right. Released by the Arrows originally. Yep. Because she looks so cool in the video, you know? She's so rock and roll that it just looks like it's written for her, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, absolutely. It's got, yeah. It just, she owns it, doesn't she? She's awesome. So they did that clip in black and white because her leather suit was red. Her leather cat so, suit? Yeah. Did wow. not know that, Maddie Slade. Did not know that. That's good info. There we go. But, but Joan did a lot of covers. She did Crimson and Crove Clover. That's a great track. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure bloody, what's his name, wrote a track for her as well. Um... Gary Glitter. What's I love that track that Gary Glitter wrote for her. Um, 
Do you want to touch? Yeah. Do you want to touch? Yeah. It's so Gary Glitter, that song, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) But we won't let Gary Glitter touch us. Yeah, Gary Gary didn't release that song Touch himself because he, you know, was already... um, in and out, in and out of the courts first. Oh, poor bastard! What a dickhead! Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm a fucking. What hell. a dickhead! Right. <laughs> okay, thank you guys. I hope it's been an interesting, ah, 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 we got informative one more, episode. We got one more, mate. You we don't, don't do know what this. I'm about to say. Oh, I thought you were cutting us off to the end. You knob. Um, do we want to do our shout-outs and then throw to our big finale? Our grand finale track? No. Nah. You I know what? Know. You know what? I read a fantastic <laughs> review. Did you? A ya? fantastic comment on our social media today, yep. and I was pissing myself laughing. We've got to look. We've got to look. Sammy, quickly have a look on, or someone. Facebook? Quickly have a look on Facebook um, on one of our posts. <laughs> On one of our posts today, get the lady's name. Oh, um, yes, yes, yes. She was awesome, wasn't she? She, she made a, a, a Facebook post and it said something like, you know, loves the show, loves loves all the writing. It's very informative. And <laughs> she loves particularly that the show has reintroduced Louise her. Borden. Louise Borden. Louise. How you going, mate? Louise. You made me laugh. You yes. made me laugh this morning. Louise, I'm not sure if you're a Patreon yet or not. Please come on board if you love the show. Anybody yeah. out there, you can bloody, don't just, you know, subscribe, although that's fantastic as well. You can come on board and actually, like, be a, be a stockholder in the in the 80s montage movement. You can get a subscription for $1, $5, $10. Sky's the limit. Absolutely. Um, and don't feel bad if you give us one because... Five hundred one dollar subscriptions is fucking awesome. You know what I mean? How much? How much is it? It's a dollar a month. Nah, but if you get what, like, if you get five hundred one dollar subscriptions, how that, much that is, is that? That's about a thousand Australian over a thousand Australian. Fuck. Yeah. Oh. Fucking great. We should give up our day gig. <laughs> Um, so yeah, good on you, Louise. You really made me laugh. I'm, I'm glad we have reintroduced you to the word fucking. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. The appreciation um, of the word fucking. Where's she come from, actually? We, How does she not? I don't know. We Melbourne. Believe... She's from Melbourne. Is she? Mm. Um, I've got a song for that Louise. Fans have made up a game when they listen to our show. When they listen mm. to it. Um, you know, now over, now over, um, um, in the, in their own homes, they have listening parties. Sammy, they do, they do. They have listening parties, like we have, like Zoom meetings and Webex, you know, meetings and that kind of thing. They have listening parties of the eighties montage, and every time we say the word fuck, they they have a shot. They so have they a drink. would be, they would, they would be fucking slaughtered by the end of the show. Absolutely. We've got a, I've got a couple of Instagram people that write to us and go, look, I do apologise. The last week's show did come out a bit late. Maddie and I have had a couple of deaths in the family and I want to dedicate this show to my sister-in-law. We lost her suddenly about a month ago. She left my gorgeous brother 
and his two beautiful kids under 16 and it's been devastating for Maddie and I. And Matty's mum lost his partner as well. So we've had a really shit time. And Maddie probably spends 10 hours a week bloody editing this up to put the music on and stuff. So that this bit's easy. It's just getting the stuff done. And we've just been a little bit heartbroken and running around and looking after family. But my sister-in-law loved music and she would be rapt to be mentioned on this show today. Oh, absolutely. And, and you guys, I mean, Sammy, you've lost a dear family member. Maddie's lost a dear family member. Very close to you, but I've I've just got to, you know, commend you both for just soldiering on and, and just being the backbone for your family. It's just beautiful to see. And mm. in, in, in true, um, pro, you know, pro the show must go on form that, you know, you guys are known for. You just keep on soldiering on and, and um, yeah, as I say, the this, this show must go on. You guys are incredible. I'd be in a, in a heap on the floor, but you guys, yeah, yeah amazing, amazing. Good on you. Well, so I think we that's go. what they would have wanted us to do is keep going, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's um, it's a tough time out there, guys, at the moment. I hope in some way we are bringing a few laughs and a smile to your face and, and um, some joy to your lives. So thank you very much for listening. We're going um, to close today's show uh, with one that is very close to home, of course. <laughs> Funky yes. Town, Funky Town by Pseudo Echo. We love this song. We love Brian Cannon and we love Maddie, our man behind the bar, who is officially the keyboard player in Pseudo Echo. This song was. This. this <laughs> he's abusing me in, in my ear. This, this um, song was released in the 80s by Pseudo. Hugely, hugely popular. Went to number one for a number of weeks. It was originally released in 79 by Lip Sync. It was a disco track. Brian loved it so much that he decided that he would cover it and pay tribute to it, and he's done an amazing job. To me, the pseudo version is the definitive version of Funky Town. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Nice one. And incredible guitar... You know, the the song was just dressed differently and it was it was it was just treated differently and fantastic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely a huge hit and deservedly so and launched the Suits guys um, throughout the US. They had had huge success with this one. Good on them. Fantastic. Yep, absolutely. So we better play Funky Town. Maybe we can play our show out. Yes, funky that's town. right. We're going to play the show because, out to Funky Town. And you know what? We also play it in Rewind 80s. It's one of those songs everyone still does. Yeah, yeah. It's the moneymaker. Yeah, they love it. We do the routine. They absolutely love it. If we did not play Funky Town, it wouldn't wouldn't be a Rewind 80s gig, would it? And there would be a whole heap of people overseas that would know this track and go, oh, my God, Pseudo Echo. That's, how, that's what broke them. Um, Revenge of the Nerds, it was on that soundtrack as well. On the soundtrack, of course. Yeah. 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 So it was a big track. They were on, what was the chick that you were on, that Brian was on? The Joan Rivers. They were on yeah, Joan, Joan Rivers. Yeah, Joan Rivers show. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, there we go. Joan loved it as well and she had very good taste. She um, did. Guys out there, thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. 
like, subscribe, comment on iTunes, uh, share it with your friends, comment on all our social media, and please, if you love the show so much, come on board as a patron on Patreon and uh, buy a little subscription, even if it's a dollar a month, you're still helping us out, mate. Yep, so it's patreon.com forward slash the 80s montage podcast. Facebook is the 80s montage podcast. But even if you Google the 80s montage podcast, everything will come up for you. Yep, yep. And if you're listening on Spotify, if you're listening on iTunes or Podomatic, give us five stars, a five-star fucking rating. What are you, like a critic? Or are you just like giving <laughs> us five stars? Just give us five stars. You know, that's all you need to do. Uh-huh. Oh, mate. I whenever, whenever we get a five-star rating, I get a massive boner. So oh, please. wow. Well, let's, let's, let's get some boners happening, people. Yeah. Give me a boner, guys, and give us give five stars. Give us a stars. boner. Good on you. Even ya. I'll get a fucking boner. Shack a dog a boner. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Let's wrap up the show, guys. If it's music, music mateys, or, or cool, cool shit, shit from, from the, the 80s. 80s. We're going to talk about it. Unreal. Unreal. <laughs>